TNT Audio Publishing presents The Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles by T.L. Dawnstar. Written and read by T.L. Dawnstar. Book 1.0 The Universe Code. Chapter 16, The Final Chapter Shock, surprise, confusion, mild sexual arousal. These were just some of the feelings that made up the avalanche of emotions that barreled down the mountain of Carl's brain, threatening to completely wipe out the discount ski resort of his fragile mental state. When he tried to vocalize the many, many legitimate questions he had about the apparent resurrection of his old friend and one-time lover Dank Starhole, he found that all he could come out with was a stupid noise. As he fumbled for the words, he clocked the D-Res pistol in Starhole's left hand. It was leveled squarely at Carl's churning stomach. Dank? He finally managed to say as his slack jaw repositioned itself into the hard clench that he had practiced for 20 star mins every morning for 15 cycles. Surely this had to be one of Dank's famously elaborate pranks, Dark Cruiser told himself. If it was, it was right up there with the time his old buddy had destabilized the entire interplanetary economy of the Fergal Consortium through the use of expertly counterfeited Hyperdon creds. He had done this in retribution for the CEO of the consortium, Eugene Connector, hacking his terminal and changing his username to Damp Arsehole when they were at Eton together. Footnote. The consortium never financially recovered, and the system it once occupied collapsed into a catastrophic civil war that claimed the lives of millions. Eugene Connector was later tried as a war criminal and executed via disintegration portal in 2009. Classic dank bants. Carl smiled inwardly at the hilarious memory, before returning his gaze to the deadly weapon pointed right at him from his old friend's cyber hand. It was definitely loaded all right, which significantly reduced the chances of this being a good old-fashioned Starhole Skylark. Hoping that Starhole's eye was firmly fixed on Carl, Felicity made a subtle move to reach for her emergency sonic weapon. But the bald pirate's reflexes were too keen, and he blasted her with a pulsating circle of energy that sent her flying backwards and left her crumpled and knocked out across the ship's top-of-the-line soup distribution unit. Florence! shouted Carl and began to dash towards her. Don't move, Carl! snapped Dank. Or next time I'll kill her! He swung his shiny robot arm to aim the pistol at Carl's big head, and using the elegantly designed touchscreen interface on the side of the gun, he ratcheted the weapon's blast capacity circuit up to the maximum efficiency level. At this energy level, even a single shot from the handgun could easily dislodge the near-unbreakable tusks of a Zemiacan diamond bore, so it's safe to say that it would fully f**k up a distinctly average human man like Carl. Don't make me do it, boy, growled Dank smolderingly. All right, all right, let's take it easy, old buddy. Carl said in an attempt to remain cool in the middle of one of the least cool episodes of his adventure-addled life. Let's just talk, okay? That's like old times, Dig. Sure thing, old friend. We'll talk all you want. Right after you drop that face blaster on your hip, 
Carl engaged his tight core muscles and bent down slightly. He fingered the release flap of the distressed holster. Don't even think about it, Carl. It was always the faster draw. Carl knew he was right. In the countless laser tag matches he and Dank had attended as part of the Captain's Association's annual team-building away days, he'd only gotten the drop on him once, and that was only thanks to an attendee of Michael Vester's 13th birthday party overindulging in gelato bombs and fizzlicks. This time he didn't have the tactical deployment of a vomiting child at his disposal. He was outgunned, and he knew it. He calmly raised his hand out in front of him, removed the phase blaster, and let it drop to the metal deck of the cockpit. Very, very good, my dear, cooed Dank patronizingly. Now hand over that cone. That ain't gonna happen, Dank. Oh dear, I was hoping you wouldn't be so stupid. He leveled the D-Res pistol right between Carl's eyes, and the briefest glimpse of remorse flashed across his scarred face before it was snuffed out by the steely resolve to shoot his old friend and one-time lover right in the face. Wait! shouted Carl. I'm unarmed. You can't kill me, it's against space pirate law! Dank laughed a dismissive laugh. It was all the bald man had to do to inform Dark Cruiser that he didn't give a shit about space pirate law. <laughs> space pirate law, that's a good one. At least tell me what the hell's is going on here. I saw you die in that alley! Oh, come on now, sweetie. It's not as if this is the first time I've danced the old downtown morgue shuffle. Oh, you made a figure that out, but no. Carl thought back through their many adventures together, and found that most of them involved Dank at least suggesting faking his own death. He could recall at least twelve instances of Starhole successfully pulling it off, ranging from the intricately planned insurance scam they'd pulled on Glassics 4 to the time they ripped off the Martian Mafia. He'd also done it at least three times to get out of going to weddings. Why'd you do it, Dank? That was just business. Simple, beautiful, extremely well-paid business. You faked your own death and framed the only goddamn friend you ever had in this stinking universe for a few cubits? Oh, Carly boy, it's so much more than money. You can't imagine what the cult promised me for that little shiny thing in your hand. Those cult bastards just murdered thousands of innocent people, including your sister. Innocent? <laughs> Please, everybody's guilty of something. My dear sister, more than most. God's dang, what did they do to you? You always were too soft for this game, darling. I'd rather be as soft as a Nurkian hyper kitten than a stone cold killer like you. That's pretty rich coming from a former assassin. Carl smirked. Despite the emotionally devastating betrayal and the life threatening situation, some small part of him was pleased to see Dank, and he was enjoying engaging in the kind of sparky back and forth that had made them fast friends all those cycles ago. Gotta hand it to you, Dank. It's one hell's of a grift. Your best yet. How'd you pull it off? With a mark as dumb as you, Dark Cruiser? It was easier than skinning a quarkish sand snake, Starhole said rudely. All it took was a modified hollow mask, a few liters of cloned blood, one miniaturized phase buster charge inside a subdermal implant in my chest, months of training with the fish monks of Yorix in order to master a secret technique that allowed me to slow my heart to an imperceptibly slow beat, a top-of-the-range slicing spike to hack in a Spaceport 6's weather control system, a handful of cubits to pay those Zarkian lads to smash up our four BNs, 
Upon it of the finest Disnarkian swamp flies laced with powerful Tolivian hallucinogenics to feed to that spider-boyd cop. A micro-speaker and a handheld holo projector hidden in one of your ludicrous amounts of pockets. A transmitter to make sure you had and saw exactly what I wanted you to see when you were tripping your balls off in that cell. A gorgeous robot sidekick with a learning difficulty and one planted bullet. A simple plan for a simple man. Carl fought hard to process the info dump that had just been laid on him, and as his struggling brain began to assemble the parts, the depth and heft of Dank's betrayal threatened to overwhelm him. Starhole had always been a devious bastard, but this was next level. It must have taken cycles of planning. Dark Cruiser mentally kicked himself for being such a sucker. He knew the plan that Dank had just explained to him made total sense. It was completely watertight, there was no question about that but part of his brain still stubbornly refused to believe it. The attack, the murder, his visions, lies, all of it. He thought about the friends he'd made and the comrades he'd lost to get to this moment. Olive, Cayman, Terry, what's the name with the red hair? All of them were mere unwitting actors in an expertly plotted fiction, engineered and orchestrated by his oldest and best friend. It was too much to handle. You always were a clever dick, Dank. And you were always a sentimental one. I knew that if I died and gave you a nudge in the right direction, you'd tear this galaxy apart looking for the cone. You might be an idiot, my dear, but when you get that bit between your teeth, there's no better hunter. Carl looked Dank dead in his one good eye using his own one good eye. He knew that look in Starhole's eye. The killing look. Back at 9-4-B-Ends, you told me I was a dead man. Guess you really meant it, huh? Everyone's got a face blaster bolt with their name on it. And yours, my friend, is right here if you don't hand it over. Starhole waggled the gun about a bit, just to remind everyone that he still had it trained on Dark Cruiser's face. Carl looked down at the mystical, magical metal object in his hand. His palms were so soaked with sweat, he was afraid that it might slide out of his grip. He sighed a deep, long, sighing sigh and quickly formulated a plan. It wasn't his finest work, but he had his back against the wall, and situations like this called for creative, radical solutions, and he had just the ticket. You want this thing so badly? Take it! And with that, Carl took aim at Dank's one functional eye and lobbed the all-powerful universe cone with all the force his right arm could muster. It flew pointy end first towards the bald space pirate, but clattered to the deck a few centimeters short of contact with his rough, ugly face. The two men's two eyes darted downwards to stare at the cone, then back up at each other, then back down at the cone before a final glance back up at each other. In the fleeting moments that the pair of pirates were busy eyeing each other up, Felicity awoke groggily from her energy-blast-induced coma, and with the strategic deployment of one of her sensible but ostentatious gold-sequined shoes, she kicked the uber-space ignition activation switch, located above and behind her on the canopy next to the aromatic soup-scented automatic air freshener. She mentally thanked the late Susan for convincing her to attend that three-week Zookian yoga retreat and braced herself. Starhole, the spaceship, not the human, powered up her impulse thrusters and lurched forward with a staggering jolt. The cone skidded along the highly polished deck of the main bridge and came to a thundering stop under the port-size energy capsule dispenser unit. Starhole, the human, not the spaceship, had the pistol knocked clean out of his mechanical hand by the starboard side swivel chair, violently spinning free of its moorings. 
The chair continued its fateful journey and slammed into a large red button that Khan had always been too scared to press, because at some point during the past, James Tizar had written, In no way safe. Possibly the least safe button there is. I cannot stress to you how unsafe you would be if you pressed this button. I am serious. Across it in small, neat lettering. Alarms started going off like mad, and the already dramatic lighting inside the cockpit pulsed with flashing red swirls of luminance, nicely ramping up the urgency of the situation. The computer announced loudly, with great intensity while remaining soothingly neutral. Dank lurched forward to grab the cone, but was met with a wet slap from Carl's sweaty hand, which connected with the side of his shiny chrome skull plate, producing the sound of an overripe grapefruit landing on expertly polished plasteel kitchen work surface. A few tense seconds later, the primary drive shaft thundered into life, and the X-9 exhaust port enhancers screamed as the cruise fighter tore through the already severely damaged trees of the Forever Forest, smashing the ancient woodland into whatever the SI unit smaller than a smithereen is. Felicity jumped on Dank's freakishly hairy back, which was mercifully covered by his trademark hot pink PVC trench coat, and pressed her sonic magnum against his broad and misshapen skull. Hold it right there, you lousy son of a- Before she could finish, they were both thrown backwards and out of the access hatch into the corridor below, as Starhole, the spaceship not the human, reared up to a near vertical angle and rocketed into the upper atmosphere of Althinica. The pair clattered to the hull's interior wall, which, thanks to the sharp angle, had become the floor, and Felicity, still badly bruised and nursing a broken wrist from her recent dust-up with the late olive cabinet, crumpled into a ball and crawled away towards the engineering bay a few bulkheads down. Carl was hanging on to the central control stick with both hands, which were sweatier than ever, desperately trying to course-correct the speeding starship, when he caught a flash of chromy silver out of the corner of his eye. The cone slipped free from underneath the console and plummeted towards the access hatch from out of which was poking the waiting cybernetic arm of Dank Starhole. With moderate speed, Carl stuck out his arm just in time to clumsily catch it with the pointy end sticking into his soggy palm. The sweat on Carl's hands was now reaching critical moisture levels, and the coefficient of friction between his right hand and the control stick and between his left hand and the universe cone threatened to throw in the proverbial, and in this case deeply ironic, towel. Suddenly, Carl could faintly hear a deep mauve note with top notes of magenta mixed with the underlying deep bassy sound infused with the sweet tang of a spicy purple seven. As if the telltale synesthesia wasn't enough of a clue that the ship was about to commence an uberspace bounce, chromatically dissonant tendrils of light began flooding the cabin, and Carl instinctively lifted his right arm to shield his face from the blinding brilliance, completely forgetting that he was holding on to the control stick. As he fell, he quickly tucked the universe cone down his fast-drying action-ready combat pants. This was not his preferred storage method, but with the fate of the galaxy on the line and no time to wrestle with the intricate and myriad fastenings of his belt, it would have to do. He slammed down arse first into the still-waiting robo-hand of Dank Starhole, causing the grizzled Fruit War veteran to grunt in shocking pain and mild excitement before throwing Dark Cruiser clear. Starhole, the spaceship, blasted into the uberspace vortex and Starhole, the human, smashed face down onto the metal grating of the deck. After a moment of calm in the dark corridor, the cruise fighter leveled out 
and Dank lifted his head to see Carl holding both his own phase blaster and Phil's emergency sonic magnum, and he was pointing both of them right at him. It didn't have to be like this, Dank! Carl screamed sadly. Oh, but it did, my lovely. You don't understand the forces at play here. You have no idea the true nature of the cone. I've seen what it can do, and that's why it must be destroyed. <laughs> what that little light show my sister put on down on the planet. <laughs> that was nothing. She lacked the will to unlock its true potential. The cone is power, Carl. Real, ultimate, reality-reshaping power. I hope whatever they promised you makes you very, very happy. My own system and a shiny new robot body? Aye, I reckon it would. Emperor Star Hole. That's got a nice ring to it, don't you think? Don't tell me about that moldy bag of face berries. What else they offer you? Eternal youth? Wake up, Dank. They're lying to you. As soon as you hand that thing over, they'll control everything. And then what do you think they're going to do with a beaten down old space pirate like you then, huh? Oh, I'll not be handing it over to anybody, said Dank with a manic look in his eye. If the legends are true, all it takes is a thought, a wish, and the cone will remake reality and bend it to your will. Just picture it, darling. No more scrubbing around doing two-bit ship raids, knocking over fuel stations or smuggling jobs just to scrounge up a few cubits. Total freedom! That's what the cone is. That's what it can give me, Carl. That's what it can give us. He held out his metal hand towards Carl, and Dark Cruiser's mind began to wonder about a world where he took that hand. A world where he and Dank could harness the power of the cone to reshape the universe in their own image. It was a beautiful world. A world where with the merest thought, Carl could rewrite his own history and finally learn the truth about his parents. A world where, with a subtle flick of his wrist or suggestive wink, he could erase the entirety of the Council's transport department and cosmically unmake his long, long record of unpaid illegal docking fines. The possibilities were endless. His fingers twitched, and his grip on the dual pistols in his hands loosened slightly. He breathed deeply and looked at Dank. His reverie continued, and he imagined harnessing the ancient wish-granting artifact to wipe the smug smile off the stupid face of his much more successful adoptive brother, Dr. Benjamin Ramakin. He'd like to see how proud Mama Silk was of her precious Benny, when instead of becoming the galaxy-renowned pediatric heart surgeon and philanthropist he was today, he'd pursued a failed career in Zarkian proctology. He wondered how many times a day she might have told him to be more like his brother then. He forced his awareness back into the dark corridor of the ship before the power-hungry madness that had so clearly consumed Dank took him too. I can't do it, Dank. Don't think it isn't tempting. Gods, it really, really is. But I made a promise to Olive. And if that thing can do everything you say, the galaxy's better off without it. Ah, well, never mind. Starhole shrugged casually. I'd have sold you out the first chance I had anyway, as my late sister herself would have told you. I never was very good at sharing. Carl decided to try and reason with his ex-lover one final time. Come on, old buddy. We can work this out. We've been in tighter spots than this, you and me. We could have... <laughs> Carl's words were stopped dead in their tracks by a lump in his throat the likes of which he'd never experienced. But he did not shed a tear. 
This traitorous, murdering son of a bitch that he had once called a friend and one-time lover deserved none of his fat, manly tears. He swallowed hard and felt whatever he had once felt for the total bastard die inside him. The man he'd once known was gone anyway, and the rabid hound that was walking around in his body needed to be put down. It's over, Dank, he said really seriously, and gave the other man a proper hard looking at. Oh, I'm afraid not, dearie, said a head-shaking Starhole. You know me, I've always got a trick up my sleeve. Starhole stretched out his robot arm and pointed his middle finger at the control panel between Carl's legs. The finger flew off the metal mitt like a rocket, because it was one, and flew with incredible speed through Dark Cruiser's legs gently brushing the gusset of his khaki trousers and violently poking the panel with intense velocity. The panel exploded in a hail of sparking sparks that threw Carl forward and sent him flying towards Starhole. Ah, Seiko! He's at the artificial gravity regulator! thought Carl as he flew through the recycled air, which by this point absolutely stank. He tried to turn and open fire, but the momentum from the blast combined with the lack of gravity propelled him onwards down the corridor. Luckily for the dual-wielding space pirate, the tactical weave of his combat pants included a layer of fire-resistant teflotronic bio-mesh. Had it not been for the revolutionary technology developed in 2004, the hot electric sparks from the knackered panel would have set his legs and balls and arse ablaze. The hastily stashed cone wormed its way out of the aforementioned trouser leg and fluttered through the air like a pointy metal butterfly. The artificial gravity system's backup power capacitor kicked in and the two humans and one infinitely powerful space relic slammed to the deck. Dank slowly stood up at the other end of the long passageway and turned to face Carl with one arm behind his back. Carl sprung into a classic one-knee firing position and opened fire. The deadly phase blaster bolts and sonic pulses zoomed towards the evil starhole but the weapon's discharge ricocheted off a wall of crackling energy that glowed red around the form of the tall man. Carl ducked as the bolts and pulses bounced around the interior of the ship, blasting several vital command consoles, including the life support systems, autopilot control matrix, the self-destruct deactivation circuit, and the frozen yogurt machine. The recently repaired controls sparked and crackled with crackling sparks as Starhole abruptly exited Uberspace. Carl quickly glanced out of the main viewport, and a momentary visual inspection of the swirling gases and kaleidoscopic nebulas confirmed that they were still inside the Vellum Cluster. Alarms were ringing, and the cabin lights pulsated a violent shade of orange as Dank smiled and slowly lifted his cybernetic arm from behind his back. As the four-fingered robo-hand came into view, Carl's heart and stomach and liver sank. The reality and the gravitas of the situation hit him like a brick, and he realized that much like the sentient furniture uprising on Ico Prime, the tables had turned. The universe cone was clutched tight in the bad hand of Dank Starhole. Oh, shit. Indeed. And now, my dear Dark Cruiser, you will... The computer blurted out. Dank was clearly furious about being interrupted in his moment of triumph, which made Carl feel a little bit better about his certain death. 
Starhol straightened up and recomposed himself for a second take. And now, my dear Dark Cruiser, you will- Wait! I just need to know one thing. Very well, I am a benevolent god, and I will allow the dying man his final request. That night, Buzz, did it ever mean anything to you? Dank looked Carl up and down, then gazed at his own reflection in the shiny surface of the cone. Not a thing, he said with disgust in his voice. He held the cone out in front of him and cleared his throat for a third attempt at his smug victory line. And now, my dear Dark Cruiser, you will... Then Felicity came up behind him and cut his arm off with a las cutter. His villainous monologuing was drowned out in a blood-boiling scream of red-hot pain. His arm fell to the deck, and the rest of him fell to his knees. Carl watched as Phobos repeatedly smashed him over the head with his own arm until his prone skull plate was sent careening towards the nearby emergency exit capsule, and he flopped down unconscious in a battered mess. Frankie! cried Carl with a smile. Without missing a beat, she called back. Stand back, pirate. I'm armed. And cackled to herself uncontrollably. (laughs) Carl got to his feet and ran over to her with a look of genuine affection in his eye. The kind of look you might have for a slightly racist relative or a family dog that was on its last legs. He awkwardly put a hand on her shoulder. Her eyes widened and swiveled to meet it. Miss Phobos, you might have just saved this whole damn galaxy. Cool beans. She said and clapped her hands together. Now, what do you say we send this crook on a one-way, all-expenses-paid trip to Spaceville via the nearest airlock? She grabbed Dank by the discoloured collars of his trench coat. No! shouted Carl. No! shouted Felicity. By space pirate law, it is forbidden to space a prisoner. If the Captain's Association ever found out, they'd strip me of my rank and parking privileges. Okay, well, would you shoot him then? No! No? He's unarmed. Yeah, he is. (laughs) By space pirate law, it's forbidden... We get it! God! Bill shouted to the ceiling mounted audio emitters. Carl suddenly remembered that the ship was going to explode in five star mins and frantically glanced around the space. Even after all Dank had done, he just couldn't bring himself to straight up murder his ex friend and former one time lover. He bent down and prized the cone from Dank's cold hand and held it up to his face. Dank seemed to think this thing grants wishes or something, he said. Want to give it a shot? He held out the artifact to the journalist, who instantly took a step back towards the rack of escape capsules at her back, her hands raised and flapping about. Uh, nope. No way, I'm not touching that thing. She said with fear in her eyes. I say we check it out the airlock. Too risky. The cult could be tracking us as we speak. We leave it floating out in space. All they have to do is blast the system with an atomic scanner array, craft beam it on board to their ship, and then it's game over. Oh, good thinking, Flyboy. I knew you had it in ya. So, how about this? We leave the damn thing here, set the ship on an autopilot course into the nearest black hole, and get the hells off this bucket. He nodded in agreement, because he couldn't quite bring himself to tell her she'd had a good idea out loud. Computer! T-minus Yeah, I know! Disable self-destruct, and scan the system for the closest black hole, and engage the autopilot. The computer whirred, beeped, and crackled. Carl and Phil shared a tense silence as the damaged computer ran the scan. Negative result. No black hole identified. Additional information, autopilot offline. Additional information, self-destruct cannot be disengaged due to a fault. 
Oh, oh, I should think so, yes. Harumphed and exasperated Carl. Please hold. Calming music began playing through the cabin as Carl impatiently tapped his foot and began mentally composing a net forum post that would absolutely eviscerate whatever unpaid intern at VergeCore Customer Relations HQ had the misfortune to read it. He was deep in thought trying to conjure another synonym for piss poor when he received a sharp poke in the side. It was Felicity Phobos who was whacking him with the detached arm of Dank Starhall. Hey! She said and clicked her long fingers in front of his smug, mumbling face. Focus, space boy. Ship's blowing up, remember, and we still gotta do something with this prick. She gave Dank another light clobber with his own robotic arm and then held it up. I'm keeping this, by the way. He snapped out of it and was frankly furious at her for rudely derailing his train of thought just as he was perfecting the perfect balance of passive aggressiveness and actual aggressiveness that would have rocketed the complaint to the top spot of his extensive back catalogue of grievances. Roger that, Red, he said, still half thinking about the perfect sign-off. He glanced around the orange-lit corridor and over to the pair of single-occupancy life pods. An idea exploded into his mind, much like the ship would explode very shortly. Carl kicked Dank a bit to make sure he was fully knocked out, and also because he'd really gone off him lately. After a few increasingly vigorous whacks, he was satisfied that the double-crossing, death-faking, no-good scumbag was out cold. With a manly shove, he shoved Starhole into one of the two nearby one-man emergency exit capsules and sealed the airtight seal. There's supplies in there for about a solar week. If he ever wakes up after that clobbering you gave him, at least he'll have a chance. Phil looked at him with near-radioactive levels of doubt in her eyes. You know, he was right about one thing, Felicity said. You are too soft for this game. Without turning around, Carl slammed his fist into the capsule's control panel. Behind him, the external pod doors retracted with a hiss of hydraulics, and the mid-range wardrobe-sized capsule was plunged into the depths of space. He took a step closer to Phil, and placed a hand on each of her shoulders. She crumpled her face and narrowed her eyes. Carl looked at her sincerely in the eyes. In case I didn't say it, thank you for saving my life. All at once. Oh, right back at you, flyboy. Now get the hells off my ship! Well, that's a fine how do you- With a single powerful sweep, Carl spun her around and threw her against the back wall of the second capsule. Before she could recover and make a run for it, he sealed the reinforced plasglass canopy and activated the maglock. She slammed her hands against the soundproof plasglass, and it was clear to Carl she was screaming some pretty salty words at him. Despite the fatal countdown of the self-destruct timer ticking down to Starhole's annihilation, he decided to wait about 30 seconds to let her get the worst of it out of her system before activating the intercom. Bastard, bastard mother too! What's this side of the Druckham Spiral do you think you're doing? She screamed as Carl readjusted the speaker volume to account for the ear-shatteringly loud outburst. Only got two pods. Yeah, I can count, dickhead. Now let me out. Not on your life, Frederica. You heard the computer. Autopilot's busted, and there's no stopping the self-destruct now. Someone's gonna go down with this ship. Figured it might as well be the captain. You're no hero, Carl Darkcruiser. Don't die like one. Hero? Nah. Nah, I'm just a man with a job to do. He said, completely oblivious to the fact that she in no way attempted to call him a hero. I promised Olive I'd destroy that thing, and that's exactly what I'm gonna do. What about proving your innocence? 
Good job I know a mouthy hack who can write the whole sordid saga up. Plus, if anybody finds Dank floating out there, like the turd that he is, that'll be proof enough, I suppose. Make sure you use a good hollow pick of me, okay? No promises. Well, see you around, Red. He raised his hand to activate the ejection protocol confirmation routine procedure, but paused before he did so. One last thing, he said, just before all have died. She whispered something to you. What was it? She said... She said... That you're the only person in the galaxy she'd trust with the comb. Yep, makes sense. She said it was because you're too stupid to know how to use it. He punched the console and blasted Felicity into space. Carl Darkcruiser settled down into the remaining faux leatherette chair at the controls of Starhole, and with only three minutes remaining to him, calmly scanned the vellum cluster for the nearest sun. With no black hole within 12 light years of his current position, he'd have to gamble on the heat at the heart of a burning star being enough to burn that damp cone to ashes. The final bet in a life full of risky calls and bad odds. He thought it was a fitting send-off. A blinking light on the cracked display screen confirmed the presence of a collapsing star a few thousand kilometers away from his current position. He let out a dark chuckle when he saw the celestial body's identicode flash onto the monitor. This wasn't just any collapsing star. It was THE star. The star where he and Dank had shared that magical night. He honestly did not know how to feel about it. He placed the universe cone on the dashboard and rerouted power from the damaged and now irrelevant life support systems into the engines and laid in the course at maximum speed. In a way, he was glad the autopilot wasn't an option. It felt good to be manually controlling the vessel that was carrying him to his final cosmic resting place. He grimly enjoyed the sense of control as the heat and radiation warning lights began to blink and vibrate from their position on the underside of his flight seat. He picked up the cone from the dashboard and held it in one hand as he used the other to pilot Starhole towards fiery oblivion. His only regret was that he would never get to see the look on the council chairman's face when he was forced to clear him of all murder charges. That and the fact that he never got to post that grievance on the VergeCore customer satisfaction net forum. Gods, that was a well-written complaint. He really wished he'd lived to see that. Starhole started to shake and groan as she entered the corona of the dying celestial giant. For the last few moments of the ship's existence, Carl thought the old girl deserved a new name. No way he was going to let her go down named after that total bell-end dank Starhole. No. A sacrifice this heroic called for an altogether more flattering moniker. And so as the intense heat and radiation decimated the ship's failing shields and the colossal gravitational forces began to bend and fracture her titanoid shell, he did not think of his faithful ship as Starhole. He thought of her as Felicity. He could feel his face burning as the incredible heat of the approaching star enveloped the cockpit. He struggled to turn his head against the mounting G-forces and looked at Spark E, the faithful little hoverbot who'd stuck by him all these cycles over countless crazy adventures, bleeped and chirped as his LCD face panel approximated the image of a tear. What do you say, Sparky? Carl said to the adorable little robot. You ready for one last thrill ride?
You have been listening to the Carl Dark Cruiser Saga Chronicles. It is a production of Dawnstar Audio. It is written and read by T.L. Dawnstar. The voice of Carl Dark Cruiser, Dank Starhall, Cayman Skullstein, The Sarge, Geef, and James Tizar was T.L. Dawnstar. Felicity Phobos, Theodora C. Sinclair. Olive Cabinet, Ginger Johnson. The ship's computer, Joey Rainford and Tess Sanders. Spicy Woods, Amundie Merat. Deborah Dwarstar, Emma Smith. Other roles were played by members of the cast. Anyway, I look at him, and he was one of them Tolivian fellas, you know, with the, uh, uh, how do you call them, the, um... Oh, yeah, the mucus sacs. <laughs> yeah, that's it, mucus sacs. I says you can't expect me to ratify that. You've only got two forms of identification. Well, he looks at me, doesn't he, and he says, Hang on, picking something up on the mid-range scanner. It's probably just space debris. Vellum cluster's full of it, you know. Nah, it's giving off a bio-reading. Look, human by the look of it. We better inform the administrator about this. Well, you'll be for it if you interrupt this crossword for a piece of space debris. Uh, administrator Darren, sir. Sir? Seven letters. Effectively grand, solemn, self-important. Pompous. Excuse me, helmsman. Nine across, sir. Pompous. Ah, yes, yes, very good. Sorry to bother you, sir, but we've picked something up on the mid-range scanner. Probably just a bit of space debris. Vellum cluster's full of it, you know. Told you. We're reading human life signs from it. I think you'd better come and have a look, sir. Oh, very well. But I'll be logging this interruption in your quarterly performance review. On bridge shortly. Administrator, on deck. <laughs> Shouldn't think I'd ever get tired of that. Helmsman, bring us into range and perform an atomic scan. Roger that, that Administrator. Looks like a life pod. From a Type 65 Verge Core cruise fighter, if I'm not mistaken. Could be the one we're looking for. Better open a hailing frequency and check we're not in for a nasty surprise, eh? <clears throat> Unidentified pod. This is Administrator Plasmo Darren, in command of the Starcore Vessel Compliance. Please respond. Nothing, sir. Hmm. Divert power from the copying room into the weapon systems. What say we give this upgraded particle blaster array a bit of a workout, eh, lads? Powering up. Unidentified pod. If you do not respond within one star min, I shall be forced to open fire. Nothing, sir. Oh, this is frightfully boring. Prepare to fire. We're getting a signal. The pattern matches the one we picked up in the Nartex system. Oh, very well, very well. Engage the grav beam and bring it aboard. Helmsman, fill in all the necessary forms and have a security team meet me in Hangar Base 7. Oh, I never get to blast anything. Right, men. Open it up. Ah, it's you. Welcome back. 
Agent Phobos.